guys. Welcome to the Boom Tequila Podcast with your hosts. I'm Jody And I'm Erin. Join us every Monday for entertainment and relationship-focused topics, music recommendations, and some fun, more personal topics in our Dish Bish segment at the end. So today we have a special guest joining us. We have our friend Mike with us, and we're going to be talking with him about a whole lot of things. Some of his experiences covering topics from polyamory to sex clubs to leaving religion and solo travel. Mike always has great stories and is overall just hilarious and awesome. So you're definitely going to want to stick around for this one. Now, whenever we have a guest on, we always start off by explaining how we know them. (laughs) So Mike and I met a few years ago and just followed each other on socials, really. And then what, maybe like a little under a year ago or so, he sent me a meme and it was actually to the wrong Aaron, but I liked it. And I told him I have a friend, Jody, who would also really like that. We just all became friends. Yeah. Anything you guys want to add to the background story? I agree. I think Mike has the best stories and the best memes, even though sometimes I don't understand what your memes are that you send, but they're still funny. <laughs> and I appreciate when you send them. <laughs> most of the memes I make I stay I'm like it's like four o'clock in the morning and I yeah. know it's nonsense but it makes me laugh and then the ones I spend like an hour on in Photoshop they get like three likes and some crap I pull out of my ass at four o'clock in the morning Figures. yeah like 50 <laughs> likes like okay well apparently that's sleep they're always good funny. even if I'm like I don't know what this is but it's funny I like it <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's always how it works like the stuff that is just like no effort is what I don't know why yeah, with everything, with like art and stuff, anything you like pour your heart into, it's like, meh, but then you just do something randomly one day after work or something and it's gold. Exactly. Like with our TikToks, that one that we made about like the butt fucking thing, <laughs> that <laughs> one was so stupid and people went nuts over it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this our niche now? Are we like <laughs> fucking, fucking werewolves? <laughs> um yeah no okay so anyways (laughs) but yeah we're gonna start off with some questions that are just gonna initially help us get to know Mike a little better Jody, do you want to kick off our first question I do so Mike what are three things that you like to do outside of work I don't know why I just blanked there like (laughs) I know because (laughs) it's like an icebreaker type question that you're like (laughs) I blanked so I'm sitting (laughs) I'm sitting in my studio surrounded by I can't tell you how many instruments. It kind of looks like Jody's place back there, except you actually hang your guitars on the wall, which is smart, minor, not. So music's a big one. Uh, I studied music. I still do it as a, as a hobby and do uh, commissions and things like that. I'm into magic because I think it's the nerdiest hobby you can have where you sit in front of a mirror practicing how to lie to people for fun. <laughs> so uh, that and then... Man, I don't know. I'm kind of a social butterfly. So I think every weekend I'm in a different city and just like meeting people and things like that. So, and usually the music and between music and magic, you meet a lot of people. That is so cool. I know recently, not too long ago, we were talking and you were talking about something with Germany. And I was like, are you in Germany? You're like, yeah, like so random, just all (laughs) over the place. Yeah, that was a decision I made. I woke up one day and was like, I took four years of German. Why have I never been to Germany? And so I right? I paid for the expedited passport. And the day it came in, I bought a ticket. And I just did everything in a few hours. I'm like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. And yeah, it worked out perfectly. Leading up to it, I had like some worries because I just did everything on the fly. And I'm like, wait, is this a good idea? 
<laughs> so I, I probably watched a lot of the same YouTubers and stuff that other people watch about solo travel and all of that. But yeah, stayed in the hostel, no issues. Like I can't speak for, you know, anywhere else, but at least, uh, you know, Bavaria, Munich was, couldn't have asked for a better trip. I mean, if you're an extrovert and you want to travel, do the hostel thing. Every night, the hostel bar opened at like six or seven o'clock. I would walk down there and just sit at a bar stool and within 10 minutes, I'd be somewhere else with a group of people. I had this group of like 10, like football hooligans from Manchester just adopt me for two nights. And we're just like crawling the back streets of Munich. We ended up at like the most stereotypical techno bar, like this little German guy with round glasses, like playing like craft work. <laughs> it was that's, awesome. That's so cool. We've kind of talked about doing the hostel stuff before, but it's just, it's scary for like, is it, is it safe for like girls alone or? So the, a lot of hostels have women only rooms. Okay. Um, if, if that's something you're nervous about, there's mixed rooms as well. In the six days I was there, there were two women that stayed in the same room that I was in, which was six bunks, you know, uh, three bunk beds. The one, there was this girl from Austria that was in there and I felt awful for her because it was like Friday night. I got back at like 4 a.m. and it was just a chorus of drunk men snoring and farting. And then this little like Austrian girl on like the top bunk in the corner <laughs> with the earplugs in. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I stumbled in and opened my locker and my big metal water flask fell out and clanked on the floor. And I'm like, like, you should have chosen a different, different room maybe, but. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think overall, like everybody's experience varies depending on like which hostel you stay at and where, like I picked one of the higher rated ones. I will say that like some of the advice you'll see is there are party hostels and then there's like the hostels that cater more towards like families and travelers that don't want to deal with all of that. I picked a party hostel because you know, I was by myself and wanted to meet people, but you can pick something that's more like a bed and breakfast and all of that if that's what you want, but I wouldn't. <laughs> so did you know people there or have anybody that you were planning to meet up with there before you went or was it just like? No, I just, I just went. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, ended up, I ended up having a close friend that was in France at the same time, though. And had I known, I maybe would have, you know, planned it better to meet up with him. I have a friend in Sweden and she was like, yeah, you're like eight hours away by train. But uh, the only mistake I made is I spent six days in one city, which is a great way to experience one city. But it didn't occur to me how easy it would be to move around. And I think when I go back, I'll maybe do two days to each city. And like, I got invited to Prague and I sh should have done that. And the, like the hopper jets you can take, it's cheaper. Like, the guys from the UK, they said it was like 40, 40 pounds to just take a jet over to Munich from Manchester, England. It was been a, like a 25 hour train ride. So, I mean, they just showed up at the airport and hopped on over. That's awesome. Super recommend it. So the craziest thing for me, I mean, this is the first time I've ever left the country, which is embarrassing to admit, like, in my 30s and I'm like well I guess now it's better than never but just just do it but you know I went to this brewery that was it opened in like 1580 something like we don't have anything that old here right like there's that's a Masonic awesome. Lodge down the street that's like 60 years old and they're like hey it's history it's a historic building the building literally had new bricks on it where they repaired it from you know the bombs during World War II like part of the building had blown up and they patched it up and so you're sitting there and I looked it up and Mozart wrote an opera there and Hitler planned, uh, you know, World War II there, basically. So you're sitting at a table and you're wondering, like, what table am I at? <laughs> like, what, what inspiration am I going to get at this table? The, uh, the waitress there also was very, very fun. I, I ordered in German and my German is not great. You know, it was a long time ago that I took German, but enough to get around. And she switched to English 
she said because of my accent she was probably being nice when I, when I went to leave I asked you know in German where the bathroom was and she bent down and got like an inch from my face and she did that thing that like stupid Americans do when they go to a Mexican restaurant and they just speak really loud and, and slow and she was like gay garada aus und rex like I it's straight into the right you don't have to it's fine <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> is there anything that you feel like people tend to get wrong about you on the first impression? <laughs> I mean, I come on pretty strong and, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I think, unique looking in style. So, yeah, it's, it's gotten better. Um, I think as like society has progressed and is more accepting of people that choose like alternative styles and stuff, it's not quite so bad. But I used to have to always fight like the stereotype that, I was like a, a mall goth. <laughs> One of my least favorite questions is when people ask what you do for work, because I feel like what they're really trying to, they're trying to size you up and see like what value you produce and they're putting you in that box, right? And so I would always tell people I was between jobs and I stopped doing that because they would always nod like, yeah, that's what I expected. <laughs> like I'm not unemployed. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes I still, I still fight that a bit. I used to get the weirdest backhanded compliments where it would be like, when I first met you, I thought you were a, a weirdo, but then I talked to you and you're actually a really nice guy. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I could be both for one. <laughs> so that, I think that's one. So tell us a little bit more about the music that you do. Yeah. So when I was, when I was in junior high, I had a huge crush on this, this girl and we had a, a battle of the bands at our, our school and they played a corn song, uh, Shoots and Ladders. And I heard her say, that guy's going to be so famous, which is funny because years later, I'm like, he played, it's like a two chord song. <laughs> it's like, it's like, da, 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 da. But, you know, I, I heard her say that and I'm like, I should learn how to play guitar. And then I watched this old movie from the 80s with Ralph Macchio called uh, Crossroads where he breaks a blues legend out of jail and then duels the devil so that the devil will rip up his contract with this blues guy. And the end of the film is Ralph Macchio playing blues guitar against Steve Vai, who's a real life like guitar hero. He played in uh, White Snake and um, with David Lee Roth and stuff. And at the end of it, Ralph Macchio, he went to Juilliard in the beginning of the film. He plays a classical piece and, and beats the devil with it. And I was like, that that's what I want to do. I, I want to do whatever that was. And so I ended up, I bought Guitars for Dummies. I read it cover to cover like three times. Then I bought a guitar because I'm a theory before practice guy, which is inconvenient, but it works out sometimes. Bought a guitar, uh, taught myself how to read music, went to our music department at school. You could take music theory, but you had to be in band, convinced them to let me take it. And that put me through a year of, of music school um, before I switched majors. But yeah, I got real into classical composition and stuff like that. So now, other than like the commissions I do, I do a lot of symphonic metal and things like that, but I have a music partner who's good at everything that I'm not. And we've done everything from bro country to like 80s synth pop. And he's like a John Mayer guy. Like he plays out every weekend. He's a great singer, great guitar player. And I'm the theory guy that, you know, can, can put it all together in sheet music and stuff. But what's awesome about working with him is he'll be like, that was really good. You should try out playing it in tune. Uh, <laughs> or I can yell and be like, hey man, have you tried, you know, singing today? And, uh, you know, through that frustration, we end up doing some cool stuff. So, and I still want to hear you play sax. Maybe, uh, maybe later tonight, maybe for Joe Jam, I'll break it out and play a song for us. I'm just kidding. 
It's <laughs> like, um, no, you totally should. Have you have you heard of a uh, the Vanova? No. It's by Yamaha. It's called a casual wind instrument, and it's like 150 bucks. It's made of plastic, but it it's you know a single reed instrument. So I bought one because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, how how hard can it be? Well, right. you don't you don't shake your fingers to do vibrato on a wind instrument. I learned very quickly. No. Uh, <laughs> Like my embouchure is just so bad that uh, my neighbors are probably going to kill me. I can play Baker Street, and that's the only thing. <laughs> that is cool. I'll have to, I want to check that out. That looks. I love the like different neat instruments. You know, the ones it, you don't it, see all the time. It sounds like a saxophone and a recorder had a baby. At least when okay. it's played well. When I play it, it sounds like somebody strangling a cat. But <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to pivot just a little bit and talk a little bit about polyamory. So Mike is polyamorous, which for those who, in case are not familiar, is basically a type of ethical non-monogamy. So where a monogamous person believes that having one romantic partner at a time is the ideal, someone who's polyamorous is open to multiple romantic connections or romantic connections with multiple partners. You can elaborate if you want to on that, Mike. But so what the question then, Mike, is your favorite part of polyamory? Freedom. Next question. <laughs> I mean, really, that's, I think that's what it comes down to. You know, I, when I was younger, I got into a relationship with a girl who, when we first started dating, she just dropped very quickly. She's like, hey, if you want to sleep with anybody else, it's fine. Just give me a heads up. And it like warped my mind. It was like, what? I can do what? That doesn't, what do you mean? Is this a trap? <laughs> <laughs> but it but it wasn't and uh and we're still friends to this day and she's she's presently in a in a polyamorous relationship or i guess several um but yeah i think the freedom to to be yourself and to explore relationships and to see where they go naturally without limitations is the biggest benefit because i mean a lot of uh, you know not to to stereotype monogamous people but they tend to when you talk about polyamory everybody wants to talk about fucking which I think is almost the most boring part. You know, there's a, a great book on on polyamory and it's like, you know, we know the question everybody really wants to know is, you know, who does the laundry, which I think is a, a much more interesting question. Like if you have live-in arrangements and things like that. But for me, the benefit is, you know, if, if I were you know in a relationship when, you know, I decided to travel, you know, no big deal. If I you know met somebody overseas or, you know, on the road or something like that, you know, as long as everybody's on board, everybody's being safe and you follow whatever rules that, you know, you decide um, to have in your relationship. I mean, you have pretty much unlimited freedom and, you know, the potential to see where any relationship goes or doesn't go. I love that. I feel like because there's that saying where it's like everybody cheats. You know what I mean? And I feel like most people are, even if they don't realize it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, your work wife or your work husband. Right. Yeah. Emotional like, cheating. Mm-hmm. So what do you think has been one of the biggest challenges when it comes to polyamory? Uh, I think using conventional, convention, conventional dating sites and stuff can be a challenge because there is an image of what a polyamorous person is like, you know, and like within the community, there's a lot of jokes about it. Like you're going to end up playing a lot of board games, which I have found to be true. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have board games here, which has shocked some people to like, oh, I figured you'd have, you know, stacks and stacks of board games. But if you're on, say, like Tinder or something like that, and you're not in, you know, a major city, a lot of people are just going to immediately swipe, you know, left when they see that you're in an open relationship. And then the number of people who lie about being in open relationships, 
makes that a liability for you if you actually are in one. Because, you know, how many married men are on there on the DL and it says they're in an open relationship. And it's like, well, you know, always ask, can I talk to your wife? And if you're like, eh, well, then, you know, something's up. But yet dating in, in conventional senses can be more difficult. If you just go out and meet people like, you know, the old fashioned way, which I think is way more fun. You don't run into that as much. But dating sites are, are kind of a special hell for poly people, unless you get on very specific ones. But yeah. At what point did you decide to, I guess you kind of already said this, really embrace polyamory or can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. When, when I was with uh, you know that particular partner, that was when I realized it was an option. I think up until that point, it was always like a plot in a bad movie or it was like, you know, how many movies are there or TV shows where like somebody's trying to have like a threesome or something. And that's the whole episode. Like that's the joke. That's the thing. And then once you're living in that arrangement and you do those things, you're like, oh, this isn't some crazy thing. This is thing that, that people do. And then when I became open about it, because I kind of hit it at first, because I thought, you know, it was this weird thing I would get negatively judged for, you know, I just, especially, you know, women still do, you know, kind of have to hide it from coworkers and things like that for, for many reasons. When I was more open about it, the number of messages I, I received from people that I had no idea um, you know, couples I had known for 10 years that like, oh yeah, we've had an open marriage for the entire length of our marriage. We just, our rule is nobody in this city or, you know, has to be a state away or things like that. And so, yeah, but I mean, I guess, I guess to answer the question, that was probably 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. So yeah. So other than I think one, th there were a couple stints of monogamy throughout that, but otherwise, yeah, it basically was relationship anarchist through through most of that time so what would an ideal romantic relationship dynamic look like for you i mean i think uh you know ideally i don't i don't know if there is one i think every relationship is unique and offers its own thing when you're not looking for one person to fulfill every need you have it opens up your life and i guess the world in a lot of ways so I don't expect one person to have a hundred percent overlap with, you know, my interests, my hobbies, you know, you might have one partner you take to, to one type of concert and another you take, you know, to an art gallery, or you have the one partner that you go eat, you know, Ethiopian food with. And I have a, a partner that hates Ethiopian food. So I would take the other one to that. So I think the, the most ideal dynamic is just having enough people in your life to be able to experience all the things that you want to experience and, you know, a bunch of new things with them openly and I guess schedule permitting. <laughs> I love that. What is one thing that you think people get wrong about polyamory? So there's open relationships, there's polyamory and there's swinging, you know, crudely. I mean, there's a lot more to that. There's a, actually somewhere online, there's a map of non-monogamy and it's huge and very detailed. And I recommend checking it out because it's, crazy um how detailed it is but those are all very different things and at least with polyamory people again they always want to focus on on the sexual aspect but like there's it's not like a 24-hour orgy like <laughs> like people have lives and schedules and like you do other things um count me out then yeah you know <laughs> no, I'm <just> <laughs> Sorry. and like men especially i think when they in their mind like they're hugh hefner and like that was not ethical, non-monogamy, nor ethical, um, as it turns out. So like, it's not going to be you with like a harem, most likely, nor should it because everybody should be, you know, equally free to explore. 
And I think the other thing that, that people get wrong, and this is actually one of my favorite things that happens. And I mean, it's maybe it's a bit of like schadenfreude, but you like on Reddit and things like that, you see all of these stories of like a couple that's been married for a long time. The guy really wants to basically just sleep with somebody else. So he recommends opening the relationship, but he hasn't been out in the field, you know, flirting with people and stuff, you know, hopefully for the entire length of his monogamous marriage. So they open it up and his wife's going on her seventh date that week. And he's at home <laughs> unable to find anybody to go out with them. There was a, a woman I went out with one time. She had been in, in an open marriage for over three years and her husband had not managed to score a single date. <laughs> I felt so bad when I went to her house to pick him up. He just had this look on his face of like, he's resigned himself to this fate. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right. So sex clubs. <laughs> Can you explain what these are for those who may not have heard of them and maybe share a story about an experience that you've had at one? Yeah. So I was uh, dating this one partner and she had always wanted to go to a swingers club and swingers have never really been my scene. Swingers think polyamorous people are weird. So when I was at this club, this guy's wife and I were, were interacting and he was talking about, he's like, my wife, like, you know, doing what she's doing. That makes sense. But her going on a date with somebody like, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. So they are kind of different worlds. You know, they call that lifestyle stuff. But anyway, she had wanted to, she it said it was on her bucket list. And she's like, you seem like the guy to, to go to one with. So I found one um, within a few hours of where I live. And it was like an award-winning club, which when I went and I met the owner, I asked him, I'm like, who? who decides that? Like, what's the committee that hands out these awards? And he had told me that they had some big, you know, thing in, in Vegas and they would decide and it was voted on or something. I don't know how true that was, but I just love that idea. But uh, yeah, so we signed up to go. It, the process was awesome. So they do a background check. So, so first off, you can't be a single guy. If you're a single, at least at this one and a lot of the other ones I've seen, if you're a single guy, there are all these additional hoops to go through. You have to be sponsored by a couple and they have to meet you so many times before you can go by yourself. So it really is, you, you got to bring a plus one. Um, they did a background check on us. And then we had to buy a membership for like the weekend that we wanted to go. And then they had an incredibly specific dress code, which I asked about that as well when I went. And the reason behind it was brilliant because once you walk inside, there's lockers. You're like, oh, you can take all your clothes off at this point. And I was like, well, then why the dress code? Well, so we can make sure you come clean and, you know, you've showered and things like that. Like if you have the clothes kind of clothes that we asked you to wear here, then we assume that you're not going to show up like after a, you know, eight hour shift of sweating out in the sun, you know, just a way to make sure everybody shows up and is pleasant. So anyways, we ended up going, um, they had a buffet, <laughs> which I don't, still cracks me up. Like they had this buffet, they couldn't serve alcohol, but you could bring your own and they had coolers to put it in. Um, and they had like unlimited mixers and stuff. And they had like a DJ and uh, yeah, then they had all of these out on the club floor. They had like dirty Jenga, these Jenga blocks that had like instructions on them and stuff. Um, I guess as an, a, a very, very forward icebreaker. And then in the back, they had all of these different playrooms. And so each room had, it had a door, but it also had a, a rope. So you could leave the door completely open. You could close the door or you could just rope the door off so people could like lean in and watch, but not necessarily come in. Um, and the security. So when you, your first time going there, 
and they take you on a tour and then you meet the security team and like they are incredibly friendly but like you know if, if anybody makes you feel uncomfortable if anybody touches you without asking if anybody breaks a rule you let us know they'll be ejected for life immediately so maybe you know oddly this sex club was one of the safest clubs <laughs> I think I've ever been to and every room had you know, condoms and lube and like instructions on where to get tested and things like that. And I'm like, you don't get that at like any other club you go to, like that should be standard. But yeah, I think, you know, overall, you know, swingers again, aren't necessarily my scene, but like, it was a very positive experience. It was, it was a, a neat club. If I was dating somebody and they wanted to go to one, like I would go again, but I probably wouldn't just go to go. And, and you said, you know, a story. So I was in a, a playroom with um, a couple so me and the girl I, I took and this other couple and I had to, I had to pee. And so I'm only wearing socks. I leave the playroom and I walk all the way across the dance floor to the bathrooms, which there's only two bathrooms and they're in a far corner. And I'm standing there like at the urinal and this other guy comes in. He's like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, standing there doing our thing. And I look over and I'm like, is that a mouthwash dispenser on the wall? And he goes, huh, first time. <laughs> Yeah, they had a mouthwash dispenser, which was just <laughs> amazing. I've never seen a mouthwash dispenser before. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's one thing I've never under. I mean, I understand it, but like never understood with the the swinger scene is like the with swingers, it's like hooking up only. And so it's like you can do that, but you can't like have a conversation like that's too far. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're all sex with no emotional connection. And I think poly is like emotional connection and, and also sex or maybe mm-hmm. sex because I know there are um, poly couples where one member may be like asexual or something like that. But yeah, the, the swinging state, I mean, and you know, there's that that constant meme and, and experience I'm sure you guys have had where, you know, the couple at the bars eyeballing you and like, we just want to buy you a drink. And you're like, this drink is not no strings attached. Just no. <laughs> You can just like look out into a bar and you'll see a couple and they're like scanning the room together and you're like, okay, (laughs) they're, they're unicorn hunting. Yeah. I feel like almost anytime somebody wants to buy you a drink, it is like no strings. I mean, not no strings attached though. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) I love all of that. We're going to pivot again. Um, So one fun fact about Mike is that he grew up Pentecostal, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So when did you leave the church and do you feel like that sort of religious upbringing still impacts you today at all? It impacts me in a really weird way, which which I'll get to, but uh, yeah. So growing up, we were, we were Pentecostal light. We were assembly of God. So all the gifts of the spirit without like the dress requirements per se. And yeah, I mean, I, I've met like James Dobson. um, I've seen um, like Mark Lowry live. I think at one point I saw uh, Mike Warnke, who was like kind of one of the architects of the 80s satanic panic. He was a Christian comedian and it turned out his entire life was a lie and he was disgraced as happens to a lot of them, but grew up going to all of that. And then I, I lost my faith when I was baptized because I was told that like I would speak in tongues and, and it didn't happen for me, but it happened for everybody else. And I asked him like, well, how, how, you know, what happened? They're like, oh, you just do it. Like, what do you mean you just do it? Like, I thought like something was going to like take control of me and, you know, make me do it. And so that kind of just started my descent into, into skepticism. And then when I was 16, I got a job and I asked to work Sundays. <laughs> so I wouldn't have to go to church anymore. And so I left the church. And then, you know, when the new atheism thing blew up, like that early 2000s atheism, 
I got real into that. And I went to this atheist meetup and the guy in front of me in line kept referring to religious people as faithers. And the guy behind me was saying that religious people have this mind virus where theotoxins attack the reason centers of the brain. And I realized, oh, you guys didn't like leave the stadium. You just changed teams. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to like walk away from all of this because this is just Pentecostalism, but for for non-belief, um, like that weird militant atheism where you ruin Thanksgiving dinner for everybody every year or like your aunt's in the hospital and someone's like, you know, can you pray for her? And you're like, well, well actually, and you, you know, adjust your fedora or whatever. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think in like my early twenties, at some point I decided to leave, you know, leave the stadium altogether, stop playing the game. Um, but how there's a couple ways in which like assembly of God, Pentecostal sort of upbringing has impacted me. So I was in a death metal band years ago and we wrote this song and I said, all right, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write the choir and the organ part for it. And the drummer goes, you put a choir and an organ in every song. Did you grow up Pentecostal? And I, it didn't, I never hit me like how ingrained, like the music of the church I grew up in like was. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I started listening to some of the stuff I wrote. I'm like, oh man, this is literally like the chord progression to, you know, our God is an awesome God, (laughs) just with a blast beat. (laughs) And so like, that influenced me. And then my first year of college, I took my first philosophy course and it was with a, a Catholic priest. Um, awesome, awesome professor. And while I was in class with him, Pope John Paul II died. And you know, one of the churches we went to growing up, we were told that the Antichrist would be the next pope. And so you know, I'm already an atheist at this point, but John Paul II died. And the next morning, I looked out the window to make sure there weren't cars like careening off the road and just piles of clothes everywhere. I'm like, you know, what, what if (laughs) there's that little moment of doubt, like, well, I guess I'm left behind, (laughs) (laughs) but one of the weird, like superpower just given me is when I meet people, especially like older people, and you can tell they're churchgoers, you can relate to them in a way, you know, there's a, a, an older lady at work who like, you know, has, you know, brings her Bible in every day. And we started talking about um, like the Gaither vocal band one day. And I told her I was a big fan of Petra, this uh, like um, older Christian rock band. And then I was like, oh, I've seen Striper, this Christian heavy metal band from the 80s twice um, recently, in fact, because they're awesome. And her entire way of communicating with me changed (laughs) because like we had that little bit in common. And she's like, oh, it can't be all bad. It was the Gaither vocal band. (laughs) So is your family still religious and how have they responded or do they know that you're not religious anymore? So my dad uh, was the religious one. My mom, not at all. Um, so he's still, uh, you know, religious. And once I got over that militant phase and like stopped trying to be edgy. Uh, yeah. I mean, our, our relationship's fine. I called him and wished him a happy Easter. And he was just so thrilled that I would do that, you know, like just be a nice guy. It was rough at first, but I was a young new atheist edgelord. So I was looking for a fight and, you know, I got it. So my mom, on the other hand, I mean, she has horror memorabilia all over her house. She has a a letter from Richard Ramirez. uh, I got her for Christmas, like hanging on a wall. And um, she listens to like cradle of filth while she grooms dogs. So uh, yeah, no, she doesn't, she doesn't give a shit. She's fine with it. Every once in a while, her like Catholic upbringing still comes out though, but for the most part, she's, you know, she's fine with it. <laughs> she sounds awesome. Yeah, she does. <laughs> um, 
Okay. You talked about this actually a little bit in the beginning, but I think one thing that I love about Michael is that he doesn't just kind of like conform to societal norms and go with the flow and at least seem, you seem to be really comfortable in your own skin and going against the grain when that feels right. Is that something that you ever struggled with as far as like maybe caring what people think, or is there anything that you do that helps you not to worry about that? I mean, I think when we're, you know, teenagers, we all have that. We all have that to a degree. And as you get older, you, you grow into it. But I kind of decided, so, so my mom is that is the same kind of person. And she always just did exactly what she you know wanted to do. Um, and she's, you know, like, you know, if they don't like me, fuck them. And so I get a lot of that from her and, you know, my mom's side of the family. And so, you know, something that, you know, she told me when I, you know, first decided to kind of, you know, dress alternatively and, and things like that is either do it with confidence or don't do it. Because if you don't do it with confidence, you're going to make it everybody else's problem. And I've always like remembered that, you know, so I'm not a furry, but I have a lot of respect for the furry community because here's a community of people that spend outrageous amounts of money on these like fur suits. And a lot of them, they wear it like a badge of honor, right? They wear it confidently. I had a, a waiter the other day who was talking about like being a furry and showing his pictures of his fur suits on his phone and stuff. And I'm like, that's a guy that doesn't give a shit. He does it with confidence and he doesn't care. If I would have like turned my nose up, he would have been like, whatever, dude, still going to do it. As opposed to somebody who like does it and you turn your nose up and then, you know, they're calling you names and, it, you know, you're, you're part of the problem. Like if you're going to do something that's against the grain, do it with confidence and, you know, own it. And then I think, you know, it's great. And, uh, and then you can, you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's, we were actually talking about Jody and I recently about there was this, th this social media post that was circling on Facebook. It was about furries. And it was like these people who are like the kids these days or whatever. And I was like, imagine being so I don't know, like, like, that's a you issue. Because like, imagine being so like, you don't understand something that you just want to like, hate on people who are doing something that doesn't bother you because you don't get it. Like, it's not for me. But like, who gives a shit? Like, let people do I don't know. <laughs> I've never understood why things that people do to themselves bother other people so much if it's not hurting anybody else. Like, let them be happy. Just because that person's miserable. They want misery loves company. Well, it's, it's no big deal for you to like paint your entire body and put on like a, a weird hat and go to a football game. Like, yeah, that's completely fine. But mm -hmm. you spend a little more money on like a fursuit or you go to a D&D &D convention or something like that. And like, you know, you're a weirdo. I, I have a, a friend who's uh, a very stereotypical bro, really cool guy. Um, and he was uh, going to a football game the same weekend as a gigantic like gaming and comic book convention. And, you know, there are all these people walking down the street um, in cosplay and stuff. And he said, you know, for a second, he was like, what's wrong with these people? But then he looked at himself and he looked at his friends and their football jerseys. And like they had this whole, you know, these costumes yeah. they put together for the football game. And he was like, well, glass houses. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a good point. I like that comparison. That's a really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that uh, is like important to remember is the kind of people that get up to a lot of these kind of things, you already know. They just haven't told you. Like the, your bank teller, the guy bagging your groceries, like, you know, your your insurance salesman, like you don't know what they get up to. Mm -hmm. They could all be, you know, the furries. They could be, you know, swingers, all of these things. 
they're just not out with it or they don't trust you enough to let you know. But like once you start getting into some of these communities and meeting people, you're like, oh, it's all around me all the time. For sure. Yeah. I, that is all. Well, our last question was about like Germany and travel, but we kind of went over that in the beginning. So yeah. I, I can tell you another another Germany story. Yeah, go for um, it. Please do. So my my first night, so I wanted to visit um, Dachau, um, you know, the concentration camp. Cause I thought it was, you know, it's important to, to, to go and to, you know, experience that and, and learn the history. Um, but being such a like devastating thing, I wanted to get it out of the way early. Like I'm going to, you know, visit that part of German history once. And then the rest of the trip, we're going to do fun stuff. And there's a lot more to Germany than those, you know, eight years or so. Um, but my first night I met this Irish guy who said, Oh, I love getting you Yanks fucked up. So we start playing drinking games and it's like 1 a.m. I am, you know, incredibly drunk. And I try to go back to my room and he runs down the hall and he grabs me. He goes, oh, we're not we're not done yet. <laughs> so I drank to some unfathomably late hour, got up like three hours later to like shower and to get on the train to go to, to Dachau. And like, I am feeling awful. And so I, I get there and I walk through the gate and I, sh I go to shut the gate behind me and I realize, oh no, this is the gate. You know, it says Arbeit macht frei, you know, work will set you free on the gate. And I'm as hungover as I've ever been. And like everything starts spinning. So the people there had to have thought I lost somebody close to me because I would look at something and then have to sit down. And it was like the double whammy of like being in a very emotional, you know, place and being as hungover as I've ever been. So don't don't spend your night drinking before you visit something like that. Um, like it was very like, you know, good to go. And I'm glad I, I did it. I'm glad I did it early in the trip and got out of the way and then just saw castles and things out after that. But yeah, it was a it was a rough day. And then I, I text my uh, one of my friends who who's Jewish. I was like, oh, I'm at, you know, Dachau. And I, I sent her a couple of pictures and I'm like, man, I'm I'm ready to go. And she goes, no, 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 you have to stay and finish the tour other people didn't get to leave. And so I, I stayed for the whole tour and, and hung out a little bit afterwards. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's really cool though. Also on my way back, I was standing on a train platform and this kid walks up to me and I don't know, he looked like he was maybe 15 and he says something to me in German and I was 99% sure I knew what he said. But I asked, I said, you know, my, my German isn't good. He asked if I spoke English. I said, yeah. And he goes, do you have any crack? And I said, yeah not all Americans just have crack. Like, and I, I don't look like well, like what a crackhead looks like, you know, in America. And he goes, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, LSD. No, we, I, I got nothing, bud. And he walked away like disappointed. <laughs> so I don't know if I look like a, a German plug, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think you look like a crackhead. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Okay. So this like the next section that we do is which we're I guess never renaming it I still hate the name <laughs> Joe Jam which is where we basically just give like new music or music recommendations that are out Michael's gonna serenade us no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so Jody, what do you have this week uh this week I came across this on a TikTok and it's it's a little older and it's definitely not anything I've listened to before but it's by Taylor John Williams and the song's called The Mates of Soul okay I didn't yeah. feel like there was a lot like new out this week but um I have it's called Kill Bill by SZA and Mike if you have something you want to throw out you can but by no means do you have to 
I'm looking to see I mean, everything I've been listening to lately is old. It doesn't. Although mine's I, old too. Mine's like seven years old. It's just whatever you're listening to right now. I have Shakira on my gym playlist right next to me. I Man love that so much. <laughs> I love that. You're like my favorite person. I love it. <laughs> like it's literally like Warriors of the World by Man of War, then Shakira, wherever, whenever. And then I think the next song is Carcass. So do you, you do know. like the hip, the hip dance when you listen to Shakira? I mean, you have to do it on the hip abduction machine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you have to. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like the sluttiest machine at the gym. So, you know. Yeah. No. You gotta, I don't you know. pop it. Pop it. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And now is our kind of like final segment. So, you know what that means? It's time to dish fish. You better dish fish. <laughs> All right. Um, we have a few questions and then some pick ones today. Jody, do you want to kick off that? Okay. The first one is name two turn offs. And you have to answer these with us, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, when gym bros and like not just like going to the gym, but like you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. And if they're like too cocky and if they're short. <laughs> 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 um okay mine are which I, we have talked about this one before on the podcast but baby talk is like a big one when guys use like a lot of baby talk it really gives me the ick and bragging about money that's just another thing i feel like they tend to do like i don't know it doesn't it's not impressive <laughs> oh man i think like the, the first one that comes to mind is because i was just ranting about it the other day is adults who haven't read anything other than like Harry Potter in the last <laughs> like 10 years. Like, look, that is good. I, I like that yeah, one. Like not even necessarily just Harry Potter, but Harry Potter's fine. But like, if you're an adult, if you're in your thirties and your favorite book is a children's book and you've read it like over and over again, like maybe challenge yourself a little bit, <laughs> you know, just, you know, I don't, I don't get it. And then like you meet people and they have, you know, like the Harry Potter tattoos and stuff. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm a Hufflepuff or a Gryffindor or whatever. And I'm, I just, uh, just okay. You know, it's fine. I don't get the hype. I like Twilight better, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Which like, it's fine. You know, we, we all like junk food, man. You know, it's like Doritos. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I, I love the book holes that like old children's book, like, mm -hmm. I read that like a few years ago during the pandemic because I'm like, I just want to read like a comfort thing. And yeah, that's yeah. cool. But like read, read something else. A little something you know, else. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to be like a Shakespearean scholar or anything like that. But like, come on. <laughs> so yeah, that's like a huge, a huge turnoff. Um, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I think the the other one, and I think this, this is specific to me, but like when it comes to like food, so I'm I'm vegan, but like, I can pretty much eat anywhere with enough substitutions. Like I have a, like a two substitution rule. Cause you know, I want to be a jerk to the wait staff, but the number of times that like, that's become an issue. Like you go to go on a date with somebody and you're like, yeah, we got to go someplace. That's like at least vegetarian friendly. Cause if they don't have vegan options, I'll eat vegetarian. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go to a steakhouse. I'm like, no, I'm not eating an unseasoned potato. Um, <laughs> not eating steamed <laughs> yeah. vegetables. Um, yeah, that has ended dates before they've happened, which blows my mind because it's like, have you heard of Indian food, like Thai, 
um, like world cuisine. Like there's so many like cool places to eat and you want to have steak and a potato. Like, so did they not know you were vegan or was it just like, they were like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I try not to be like in people's face about it because like, there's, you know, that stigma of, oh, this is going to be an annoying person. Um, you know, it's a personal choice. So like, I'm not trying to rub people's face in there, make them feel bad per se, but yeah. So like, you know, when it comes time to like plan where to go and I'm like, oh, they have to have, you know, something I can eat. You know, if if I said I was gluten-free, it wouldn't be a big deal. Or if I said, you know, anything like that, it's fine. But like, you don't want to go to, you know, Outback. Well, I don't think most people want to go to Outback. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like I haven't eaten an Applebee's in like 20 years and I think I'm probably better for it. <laughs> it's like if somebody tells you their favorite restaurant is Olive Garden. <laughs> it is good though. <laughs> it's not my favorite. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I just, you know, ate there the other day. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, I, I okay. I guess to like more succinctly sum it up is like uh, people that aren't adventurous with food, I feel like often aren't adventurous with other experiences. Like if you're not willing to try something new food wise then like you know eating is like the prime social activity so if you can't be mm-hmm. adventurous there you're probably not adventurous anywhere else yeah that makes sense. i bet you're an enneagram seven i could I see that are. i, I bet you that. are yeah they're oh, the was, best just so you know what what's the i was thinking of the thing that's like the, the four letters like you know yeah, the enfjt yeah. like all the, yeah <laughs> that you. you know it's yeah. not that but no okay no, the Enneagram is different. It's like numbers one through nine. And it's, I mean, it's all different ways to kind of like explain your personality. Jody's a seven, which mm-hmm. is like more adventure seeking. It's the adventurer. Yeah. yeah. I'm a three, which is more like achievement oriented or whatever. I don't know. You, there's, a, a there's a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There's yeah. a quiz you can take if you really, if you really want to know. I yeah, send, send it to me. Quiz. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, okay, so those are the turnoffs. Two turn ons. Um, confidence, but not cocky, because that's the turn off. And intelligence. I feel like most men are kind of stupid. <laughs> so lately it seems like it. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say a good sense of humor and like assertive, good communicator. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you know openness to new experiences and um yeah the sense of humor like if, if you don't have a good sense of humor I don't I probably can't even talk to you because like <laughs> like it's all bad jokes so you know like there and that kind of cuts out the intelligence aspect because you have to be at a certain level of intelligence to get like most humor I feel like so like that's true yeah, yeah. like but yeah definitely like the openness to experience thing because like the world's big there's a lot of stuff to do yeah like I went to a monster truck rally like a few years ago. Never been to one. I like <laughs> dressed up for it and everything. And yeah, that's awesome. One of my friends was like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Why? Why not? Like, why not? Why not go? Yeah. yeah. Like, like just do weird stuff, man. Yeah. When you're, kid, when you're a kid, you're like, when I'm an adult, I'm gonna wear a Halloween costume anytime I want. I'm gonna do all this. Mm-hmm. And then you become an adult and you don't do it. Like, yeah. I know. I have so many friends that recently have been talking about like, oh, it's once you're an adult, it's so boring. You can't do anything. I'm like, just do it. Like, do the thing. <laughs> like, Jody and I always do like random yeah, adventures. We do it. We love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just do it, man. Exactly. Yeah. Life's too short. You got to live for yourself, not everybody else. When, when you're on dating sites and stuff, do you ever see the people and it's like, it has their hobbies listed and it's like, watch TV. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're already dead. Dude, you're you know dead. what a lot of them say? 
a lot of the guys I feel like say, well, whatever you want to know, just ask. <laughs> I don't want to know. I'm not going to ask. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> already oh, so, heard me. <laughs> so, so this is a, this is a job interview. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. no. Speaking huh. of dating apps, we found out over New Year's that I have like a, um, what do you, like an empire, like there's like a fake profile person of me <laughs> named Alex. <laughs> and so I was like, maybe I should just lean in. And like, if anything, I don't know, like any embarrassing pictures of me are on social. I'm like, that's not me. That's Alex. We're out at the bar on like New me. Year's. And like- two, was it two or three different? <laughs> I don't remember. Dudes that yeah. We don't know. Come up and are talking to her, calling her Alex. And they're like, why, why don't you talk to me? Like, what's going on? And you're like, I don't know. Who are you? Like, what's happening? And they're showing her, like, she has a pro, a Tinder profile. Someone's using her pictures and the name Alex and talking to these dudes. Now, I'm just curious. Like, I want to know what, what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this, like, alternative personality that I have? Yeah, I would have asked to see the conversations. I know. We were drinking too much. And I just, yeah, that was, this was, it after was like, a, as soon as we shots. afterwards, I was like, man, why didn't I be like, well, what's. Like, what are we talking about? What's, right. <laughs> where are we at? What are we? <laughs> what are we? <laughs> but but I also love that, like, okay, so you stopped, you, quote, stop talking to them on a dating app, which means approach them in person. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. Right? Also kind of, maybe a kind, kind of weird. I mean, I don't know what the conversation went, but, you know. Me either. If you've been messaging <laughs> yourself for six months and then you see them at a bar and you're like, what, what are we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. Yes. What is your type? Aaron and I are going to say what each other's is. So what is, what's my type, Aaron? <laughs> oh my God. You already. Okay. So you have, Jody has a very specific type and it's, there's three things that come to mind. Tall, mullet, and toxic alpha male type. That is her type. The worst fucking type. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, I mean, mullets are in, man. Yeah, the mullet is oh, the beast of, of the. Like, I love I guess, them. Whatever, like the mullet is fine. It's the really, yeah. it's the toxic alpha male um, yes. part that's the real bummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, God, what's my type then, Jody? What is your type? I feel like as long as I feel like you like the facial hair, but it has to be kept. It has to be kept up. It can't be a lot. Because I was making fun of somebody's facial hair recently. Well, we made fun of several, like if they don't take care of it. So like, I feel like you yeah. like the facial hair and you like the tall and um, nerdy for sure. <laughs> that's not at all what I thought you were going to say. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> I think that's it. What do you think I was going to say? I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. What's yours, Mike? I, I don't know that I, I have one. So one of the girls I'm dating now, she has said she's like you're all over the map and, and so is she because like her last uh boyfriend was like a truck guy and like obsessed with video games and i'm i'm neither of those things and the guy before that was like yeah it, i think uh like as long as you don't hit any of those like turnoffs i'm pretty open to just about anyone and i mean you know because of that you constantly end up doing you know different and you know fun things so yeah i don't think i have a, a it's all type. about personality yeah like i dated this one girl for like two years that looked like a kindergarten teacher and then i dated somebody that had a face tat after that (laughs) so i mean it's you know kind of all over the place yeah that's awesome i feel like i'm all over the place too so (laughs) yeah i think maybe my my type is personality for sure i think my type is the kind of girl that looks 
at like somebody like me with my interests and all that is like yeah all right <laughs> that, that'll that'll do <laughs> awesome um okay what is one thing that you think is essential for good sex communication 100 percent. that's a good one um, vibrator just kidding <laughs> i would say like a mutual connection and feeling safe the male orgasm no i'm just kidding. important you know yeah. and it's, so much. It's, it's so overlooked yeah. Yeah, it really is. I think we need a lot more focus on. (laughs) We need more focus on men. Really do. Right? (laughs) No, uh, I I agree with what Jody said. I think, you know, communication. If if you don't communicate, like, it's just not going to work, man. I mean, everybody is so different and so unique. Uh, And I think people, and by people, I mean men, uh, underestimate how attractive it is when you ask, like, do you like this? Do you like that? Mm-hmm. Hey, before like we meet up, let's talk about, you know, expectations and, you know, hard, you know, hard nose, soft nose, like your lines, all, all of those sorts of things. Um, like that's such a turn on for so many people because most of the time they just kind of go barreling in like, <laughs> fuck yeah. it, we'll do it live, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like communication, I think is, is key. And you see all these TikToks and stuff about girls making fun of, which they, I mean, we have a right to make fun of the guys that are just like rubbing the left lip or whatever all the time, (laughs) but just say, Hey, move over here. Like, you know what I mean? And then you wouldn't be wasting your time and getting rug burned. Like you're good. Well, I saw, I saw actually it was a TikTok about that recently. And they were talking about, because that was like feedback from a lot of the guys. They were like, well, you know, if it's so bad, you have to communicate. And so there was a girl that responded to it and she's like, yes communicating like what you like or like what feels good like all that kind of stuff like totally but there's a difference between communicating versus like educating you on like basic anatomy or like yeah that's true like you don't necessarily want to have to like be like a mentor or coach like you know like the through every step if that makes sense Mm-hmm. and a lot that- of men are so like sensitive and insecure that if you say they're doing it wrong they're gonna get like I've witnessed them being like upset about it. Like, like, I don't like, how could I do it wrong? You know? you don't, because I don't necessarily think you should approach it of like the, you suck at it. Cause I feel like nobody's going to like take that very well. But well, even if you like suggest something new or something different, I feel like a lot of guys are like, just not, mm-hmm. not open to, can we just do it normal open to communicate <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah. There was that that video clip, and I know they're like super edited, but where they asked men on the street, like how many, like how many holes does a woman have, like below the waist? Aaron and, sent me that before. Yeah, <laughs> but when do you guys may have actually sent it to me? But wasn't there like the like husband of a doctor <laughs> or something that was like one, one, yeah, <laughs> like, yep. one, yeah. Oh, women are snakes. I don't remember if Mike sent it to me or Rice sent it, but like it was yeah, one, okay. like one, one. Love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Next we have the a few just like pick ones. Jody, do you want to do the first one? Yeah. Would you rather always overshare or never be able to open up to people? Always overshare. Same. I probably overshare already. So I'll just say yeah. <laughs> I do. I do anyways, though. <laughs> yeah. No, not being able to open up. I feel like that sucks because then like you can't ever really like connect with people. Exactly. Or healthy relationships if you're like completely guarded and shut out. So no. 
Um, okay. Would you rather only be able to ever have casual sex or be abstinent for the rest of your life? Casual sex. I don't understand how that's a dilemma. Probably <laughs> <laughs> like, like casual sex and like random hookups or <laughs> yeah. I don't love casual sex, but I've outplayed the abstinence thing and <laughs> with the casual sex. Like, would you rather eat like terrible Taco Bell your entire life or starve to death? Like, what? <laughs> right? I eat the Taco Bell, I guess. Those are my options. <laughs> Great options. Like, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine anybody. Well, there's probably some people that would, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Would you rather swap partners with another couple or have a threesome? Oh, you wait. I mean, this one uh, swap. I would say it would depend on the couple. Yeah. Swapping can be a really fun party. Like. Yeah, you got four people there at least, right? And like, it's a whole like event. Whereas threesomes, either they're great or they're terrible. That makes sense. I'm going to say swap just because a threesome, I'll either like, it feels, I feel like there's too much work or I'll get my feelings hurt because I'm standing in the corner. (laughs) Like, so I'd say swap. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I don't know. I was like between the two. So I'll I'll say swap too, just to You'll swap. go with the group. We're, we're peer pressuring you into swapping. Yeah. Yeah. You talked me into it. <laughs> um, okay. Would you rather sext or send nudes? Jody's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, sext just because I'm insecure. I would say sext also. I think sexting is more creative. I mean, unless you like, you know, have a ring light and a whole like, you know, <laughs> production you know, a, bunch different, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of different backdrops and things like that oh my gosh yeah uh, <laughs> if i'm there to help jody take the news maybe she <laughs> exactly <laughs> lift your leg over here like right <laughs> oh uh, that's awesome that is all of our questions so anything you guys want to add no i think this is fun okay yeah, this is awesome guys <laughs> yeah. all right well thanks for listening you can follow us at Boom Tequila podcast on Instagram, TikTok, all the places. And we will catch you next time. Bye.